Hey, everybody, we're back with Teach a Kid to Read. Teach a Kid to Read. I'm Tony. You've seen me before, but that, that is Mary Cantwell. We are so excited to have her on the show. Mary and I met about a month ago when I was in New York. She's from New York um, and a lovely New Yorker. And we met at the Justice Film Festival where we got a chance to to connect and talk about literacy. She came and um, she's one of the big supporters and voices behind Sentence. So we're super excited about that and the film. But more than anything, I'm so excited to have you here. Mary's been in the literacy space for decades. She's uh, used to be the director, used to be, I think, of the London-based Garden House School of New York. And you've worked for New York Public Schools as an education and literacy specialist. And now you are the co-founder of Enriched NYC, a literacy organization that works around New York and nationwide. Mary, welcome to Teach a Kid to Read. Thank you, Tony. Chris, what an introduction. Wow. Well, I've been thrilled to be here. Since the first moment you and I met um, in the lobby of the theater, I've been like, I can't wait for all my friends to hear from you. Because yes. you are such an inspiring and an effervescent human being. And I really mean that. So, oh, Tony, thank you. Sincerely, I'm humbled by that. And uh, just really excited that you are giving me this platform to talk about my experiences around really the illiteracy crisis we are currently experiencing in our mm. country. So, thank you for your work in this space as well. You're very sweet. Yesterday, the day before, you were in East Harlem. Yes, yes. Tuesday is one of my favorite days of the week because I get to work with all my littles up in East Harlem at PS7. Um, we are currently working with 40 kindergartners, first graders, second graders uh, through the I Have a Dream Foundation. Um, and we work with them after school on Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays on all things literacy and phonics and fine tuning those skills and they are doing beautifully. Really? Do you they, do you get do you get hands on in the midst of it or are you stuck oh, yes. being an administrator? Yes. Absolutely no. It is literally my pleasure to go there every Tuesday and I do a one to one pull out group. The groups are really small in size anyway, Tony. Our teacher, uh, you know, has about four to six children for really targeting literacy and phonics skills. Um, there's always one or two in that, within that little group that still needs a bit more support. So that's where I come in and I have the pleasure of working with them, you know, one-to-one -one for 30 minutes. And uh, as I had told you back in, uh, back when we sat on the panel for Sentenced, uh, They'll do almost anything for a Pokemon card, right? Um, you know, and you've never seen people more happy to see you, oh. which really is like, you know, just makes your day. And 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 they're really motivated, Tony. These yeah. children want to learn. They're intrinsically curious. They love to read. Um, they love books. So it is literally the highlight of my week to be there with them. Thank you for that sort of personal you know, look into it, you know, because sometimes we can get lost in the numbers, get lost in the bigness. Sometimes we can get lost in false narratives that that kids don't like school, that kids don't want to be there, that, that, you know, it's really pushing a rock up a hill every day when in reality, it's more about opportunity right. than is it about pushing a rock? That's right. And can the opportunities be created? 
Um, Indeed. So you started out by, you referred to illiteracy as a crisis. You used a really strong term, a crisis or pandemic or something. Yes. We have an illiteracy crisis in our country. We'll stop. So when, when you, I mean, I know you travel a lot and you give a lot of interviews and again, thank you for your time today. And people, I, I get this a lot. I was, I was on the phone yesterday with a reporter and they were like, is, is it really that bad? Is it, is it really that bad? Are things really getting worse? Or you just kind of, I mean, tell me the truth. You know, what are the numbers? Like, what do we really, what do you say to people when they're like, Mary, is it really that bad? Or should this really be a big focus? Like, what do you say? Yeah. You know, Tony, the, the thing that I think sets us apart a little bit is Brooke and I are certainly speaking out and doing interviews. And, and Brooke I, is your co-founder at yes. Enriched NYC, and we love Brooke. Yes, she, who hopefully she'll be on soon yep. um, in a few weeks' time. Um, but, you know, we, we're not only out there raising awareness, trying to raise funds to help children in underserved community, but we are also literally in the classrooms, right? So I experienced... Um, I'm sorry, I shared my experiences yesterday at East Harlem. And then I kind of raced home, got back to my office, and I was on for an hour and a half with our dreamers in Ketchum, Idaho. So, you know, we're really hands-on in classrooms. So we're not only sort of speaking about this, but we're living it. We are meeting the fifth and sixth graders who are so defeated by reading and literacy because they're on a kindergarten, first grade reading right. level. And we are seeing this in states all over America, New York, California, Illinois, Idaho, Indiana. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. So we are literally sort of living it with them. So yes, it is that bad. And the reason why it needs to be taken very seriously is that a person's involvement in the American criminal justice system directly correlates to how well they can read. Okay, so we have a few blocks away from where I'm sitting in the Bronx, New York, 70% of third, fourth, and fifth graders on last year's seven zero on last year's English language arts exam were not reading on grade level. Seven zero. So those are the numbers, right? You could sort of look at the numbers. And we're talking grade level. We're not talking like exceptional reading. We're talking meeting the minimum requirement for a third grader. 50th percentile, Tony. And 70% do not meet it just blocks from where you are. Correct. And so, you know, one of the things that we do at Teach a Kid to Read is we, we make films because we know that so many people don't have time to read a book or to read a, a report written by the Department of Education or whatever. And so we make films to both speak to the heart and to the mind and try and inspire people. And one of the films that we've made in, has a little snippet in it where we have each of the last like 12 presidents, a clip of them talking about how education is their highest priority. Like every single president saying it, standing at the stage or at the state of the union, highest priority of my administration, you know, and we just go boom, 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 right down through the last 12. And simultaneously we show the U S ranking in education and literacy based on the developing world against the developing world and watching how it, how it goes down, 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 down That's to now sweet. we are, among the lowest mm -hmm. developing um, democratic countries, developed democratic countries of the world. So I, it's getting worse. It's not getting better, wouldn't you say? 
100%. Our scores, you know, have been going down based on the nation's report card, right? It comes out every year at the end of September, beginning of October. For the last 25 years, Tony, we've had scores going down, 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 down. Now, sadly, what I see happening, just that you, you touched on presidency and politics, so I'll, I'll throw this little tidbit in there. Okay. <laughs> is, you know, we're starting to see now that, you know, the science of reading or teaching phonics, which really is the only thing that works, you know, is now becoming a political issue, right? And you're sort of seeing, you know, like people associating red states with being, you know, for phonics and teaching skills and blue states being for a more whole language approach and not using a phonics-based approach. And again, who suffers, Tony? The children. In all of this debate back and forth, nobody's on the same page, sadly. And it does take strong leadership, Tony, to stand up in your school district and say, um, listen, guys, we need to get creative. We need to change gears. Our children are not reading. We need to change it up. And we don't have that leadership, Tony, not only sadly on the school-based level, but the district level. And, you know, where is our secretary of education here? Like, it's a big problem, <laughs> big problem. Well, oh, I so you, you've been, you've been around this issue and I've been around, I've been around educators my whole life. Um, I, I spent much of my life in the classroom and there's sort of two ways. There's sort of some people go like cynicism and it's just a job and I'm getting through the day and I'm counting my weeks and I I'm, can't wait to retire and um, they get tired and for a whole bunch of reasons, some very reasonable reasons, because it, it can be an exhausting career and so much is asked and they're under resourced. And I'm, this is no slam on, on educators and teachers at all. It's not my heart. But then there's other people who just the more they get involved in it, the more they seem to care, the more they come alive, the more passionate they become about changing the world. And I see that in you, that you're on that second track. How did that happen? How did you like continue to move into this like more committed, more inspired, mm. um, you know, wanting to get, you know, your hands dirty on the issue as well as, you know, working in the halls of politics and in mm. the big, you know, the big categories of society. How did that happen for you? It's such a great question, Tony. And, and, and you're so right. It's a burnout profession, right? You're exhausted at the end of the day, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally, and sentence portrayed so beautifully what a teacher's day is actually like. Thank you. You are mother, you are father, you are teacher, you are nutritionist, your therapist. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the number of hats you have to wear yeah. as a teacher, you know, is unbelievable. And, and I was, you know, in the classroom, Tony, honestly, only about five years before I was sort of plucked and put into an administrative role, which I sort of had no idea what I was doing. But I, I thought, you know, I, I am a leader. I, you know, I went to Jesuit schools my whole life. And I was taught that, you know, in, in the spirit of St. Ignatius Loyola, you lead, you give back, and you get on with it. You work, you put your head down, you work hard. And, and 
and I, I thought I could certainly use that platform to inspire other teachers that, you know, just keep digging in, keep working, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Don't waver, have trust and belief and faith in yourself that you can make a difference in this child's life. So I went from the public school system in East Harlem, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I mean, great experiences. Like that's the way to cut your teeth on this job, right? Like you work with the neediest of communities and that's how you get the tools you need to be successful anywhere. I went from there to Park Avenue and the inequities I saw overnight mm just blew my mind. I mean, it was like, whoa, these kids on Park Avenue literally by the age of three are learning all of the letters, all of the sounds the letters make, how to write their name. They're starting to blend words, Tony, by four, five-year-old. It was unbelievable. And I wrote a curriculum for that school that was phonics-based and hugely successful. So that's where really my love of teaching phonics became so acute and then seeing the inequities, I said, you know, at some point in my career, I love right. what I'm doing. I'm a school administrator, but there's more for me out there. You have you have to listen to that little um, voice in your head that's saying you're doing good things, but there is more. You yeah. always trust your gut. And yeah. the pandemic happened. I met Brooke Uten, my business partner, in the summer of 2020. We knew there was going to be huge COVID learning loss that needed to be remediated. We knew right. that. Quit my job, Tony. I quit my job. Single mother, no health insurance, no paycheck. I said, I'm done. I am sort of done with this part. This was a wonderful chapter, but I am ready now to sort of spread this message and help others who right. quit my job, but how... We started as a COVID sort of remediation literacy company, but what we uncovered, Tony, over the course of the next three years was shocking. Wow. I mean, I, there's so much in that monologue. I, I'm going to cut it out and I'm going to like use it separately as another promotional piece because there was so much there. But you started out with this idea that um, that hope and opportunity is so much based on the zip code you were born into. And, um, some kids have so many resources and some, I mean, I don't, I, there's this illusion, delusion that every kid in America has this opportunity to learn, this equal opportunity to learn and child plus classroom plus time equals literate. And if that formula fails on some level, somehow it's the, ch the child's problem you know, or something. And this idea of how do we get resources to, to the most needy communities, the under-resourced, I should say, the under-resourced communities, and you would go, I'm going to quit my job because these ideas cannot remain in just these, these small places that I really want to take it around the country is really inspiring. Thank you, Tony. And I'm going to do one further than resources, right? Because Tony, there are resources out there our education system is well-funded. People are not spending these resources wisely. Certainly, there are many communities that are underfunded. Right. However, there is a surplus in many communities. 
Let's talk about the American Rescue Fund dollars that were specifically earmarked for this type of phonics remediation. Millions of dollars, Tony, tens of millions of dollars. You know, some districts haven't even spent it yet. And if they don't spend it by, I think it's September 30th, which is, you know, almost around the corner, it goes away. And there, it's so hard. And I think Michael Capitelli spoke about this, Tony, on our panel. Right. Sometimes the federal government makes it so difficult for a school administrator to access those funds, they give up. Yeah. Yeah, we have to be smarter about these things. Um, but smart, smart is important. But uh, my, I, I was an educator for years, and I would, I would tell my students that the job of the head is to justify the, the decisions the heart has already made. Job of the head is to justify the decisions the heart has already made. And how do we speak to people's hearts? Because once their heart is turned, their head will do the work. Their head will 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 show up and do the research and figure out the whys and we'll do that. But the head does not go there until the heart has already made the turn. So my question for you, we already talked about that the that illiteracy and education standards or education proficiency in America has been going down. How about the heart of the American people? Do you find that people care are starting to care more about this issue? Is there are people waking up? to this being something that they should be involved in? Or do you think people are getting more cynical, more isolated, more tribal maybe in their orientation? Mm -hmm. Tony, I am the eternal optimist. Yes, you are. Always hope because we have a solution, right? We worked with 20 native Spanish speaking first graders in Ketchum, Idaho, who were not recognizing the letter A in September the letter B, the letter C, after 20 20 weeks of direct phonics instruction, they were all reading on grade level. So there is hope. We have to just keep sending that message that the science of reading is the only way forward. I think if people understand childhood is a magical time, right? Think back to their own childhoods. Hopefully they were happy ones and they have good experiences. These children essentially in many ways are, you know, being robbed of a lot of those rights because they don't know how to read. They cannot enjoy a book. Um, You know, it speaks to people's common decency and dignity. And if you can't reach them that way, you can reach people by understanding the illiteracy crisis will affect them financially, right? So if they can't get on board and understand from their heart, maybe you know, and I'm not against sort of getting people on board however we can, because it's our, your taxes will go up. The prison, you know, the prison population will go up. If our readers, where are we going to get our workers? Where are our doctors, our lawyers, our essential workers coming from? You know, we have kids right now and, and Tony, I'm a realist. I, I think there's, there's a, a place for everyone. I don't know if every every single scholar is going to go to a four-year college, you know, and that's okay. However, they may want to do a trade, which I think is a great option. Yeah. We need to get you literally oh. to the point where you can read the manual to study right. your trade. Full right. study. And we are not doing that. Yeah. Name a trade you don't need a driver's license for. And explain okay. to me how you're going to get a driver's license. Okay. You know, 
Well, you can't read a manual, can't do training, can't do continuing exactly. ed, which every plumber has to do continuing ed. They have to stay up on stuff, you know? So Look absolutely. In your and movie. I love, thank you. Um, really and I love the fact that you, I can spend all day saying we should love kids more. Don't you want to love kids? And I want to get back to that in a second, but quite frankly, love yourself, like be selfish about this That's because right. your world is getting worse because of an illiterate, you know, such a large portion of society. One in five American adults can don't read well enough. And in, in order to get a well-paying job, according to the department of labor, one in five American adults, we have, we have a labor crisis. We have a trade crisis in this country. But every dropout, every high school dropout costs the American taxpayers right. hundreds of thousands of dollars each. Each dropout, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Do you want to change the American, the, the government budget? Well, one way to do that would be for us to help kids get through high school and have the basic skills. I mean, be selfish about it. You want safer communities? That's right. You want more integrated cities? Yep. Stop complaining about the homelessness crisis. Stop complaining about the prison crisis. Why don't we go back to the grassroots, the headwaters of these problems? Amen, brother. And work at the headwaters. This is it. We, we talk about preventative Amen. medicine. Why don't we talk about preventative society? And the way that we, and, and where we put our resources and how we think. Okay. The only way forward, Tony. So speak to this. Cause again, you're in this so much deeper than I am. I, I just don't understand in my own heart, as well as in the world, this tendency to go, well, as long as my kids are taken care of, I just don't care about everyone else. My kids my nephews and nieces, my tribe, the kids at my church, the kids, you know, wherever, however I define my tribe, as long as they're taken care of, I kind of don't care. Mm. And, and there's sort of this, if you don't, if you don't look like me or vote like me or read like me, you know, then, or spend like me, have income like me. Um, I, I just, I, if I were to be truly honest, I just kind of don't care. Mm. And, why, why do you think that is? And is there anything we can do about that? Do you just have any thoughts? You know, know it's a big question. The incredibly sort of insular way of looking at life, you know, as we know it, you know, certainly if you're saying, you know, I'm a mom, right? Mm -hmm. I have an 18 year old daughter who I couldn't love more. Right. But I was doing great, by the way, I've heard, I've heard rumors that she's doing great. She Keep is, going. and she's an inspiration to me in many ways, you know, a diverse learning style. And uh, she threw me for a loop, but she inspired me to really open this literacy company and it wow. sort of became this, but I wow. don't So she, you know, I can certainly say, well, you know, she's, I was able to get her what she needed, the remediation, the help to become a wonderful reader, be at her, you know, top choice school for college, et cetera. There are many families who are not in that position. I can certainly say that she will be, and my grandchildren will be affected by everyone they come in contact with 
in this country should they choose to remain living here? You know, it's a really sort of silly way to look at the world because mm. we really are all connected. Mm. I mean, you pick up a phone and, you know, I don't know, you make a phone call to the cable company and you have the cable guy come to do your 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 work and you need him to know what he's doing. You know, that directly affects every single person. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a tricky way to look at the world. And I also think people are getting a little bit away from living their real purpose in the world. Mm -hmm. This might be a topic for another podcast, but I think the happier and more fulfilled an individual feels in their own life, your cup is full. And that way you can give to others and in whatever role you choose to give. I happen to choose this space, right? right. I don't know. I just, I don't, I wouldn't even say I'm so great at it. I just am so, you know, I just think books and learning to read changes a child's life, which then makes the country better. So it's really twofold, you know, not looking at it holistically, but also sort of selfishly to your point and your word, <laughs> living your own purpose so you can then help others in whatever field that is. So good. The poet wrote 3000 years ago, my cup runneth over. And maybe that is part of it is we, yes. that there really is a, there's in the midst of a crisis of illiteracy, there's also a crisis of meaning. There's a crisis mm -hmm. of satisfaction. And, and when our tanks are Absolutely. empty, um, when we're not living an inspired life amongst just within ourselves, you know, and really tapping into our own creativity, our own dreams, our own hopes for the future, right. that there's very, where does that extra, where does that extra energy come from to love the stranger, the, the forgotten, the under-resourced, the, right. the, the immigrant. Um, so that's and so we're good. Not having, we're not getting this message out enough, Tony. Like it's, it does in many ways come from the home. You know, we were taught to be kind, right? right. That kindness was, was emphasized in my home as a child. You know, I was taught to whom much is given, much is expected. And sadly, it tends, there are sort of more of a me, me, you know, uh, you know, message in many homes now. And I think that's something where if we get begin to change that language, right, it becomes, you know, that will have a positive impact on our entire community, our entire country. Tell me what Enriched is doing. Give me a sense of the breadth, oh, the breadth of Enriched NYC. You, uh, there's so much to say, but I'll try to be as succinct as possible, as I know that's important on these podcasts. <laughs> so obviously we are working with our dreamers through the I Have a Dream Foundation. Great. They have 14 affiliates all over the country, and we are in uh, five of them, which is hugely exciting. And we're working on summer programming for them right now because the summer slide is very real. And for children in underserved communities, under-resourced communities, it's even realer. You know, sadly, Tony, last summer we had some dreamers who were, you know, not able to sort of get into their local public school, you know, reading summer program. And they literally were home 
day in and day out. There's not money for camp. There's not. So we're, we're raising awareness. We're trying to raise funds for these children through our own non-for-profit, which is called Onwards. Um, So the dreamer work is great. We're in talks with, you know, some of these sort of school districts all around the country to make professional development for their teachers more cost effective. We believe in the science of reading and we believe in phonics. Tony, to train teachers, some of these big organizations out there. And listen, I was trained by uh, one of them. Can I say the name? I don't know. I mean, they're great. Don't. Okay. I was trained by one of them. They're wonderful. Um, I called them to sort of price out a training so I could get, we could get more people trained in phonics and helping more kids. Tony, they wanted something like a hundred K to train 20 people. Or it was just in school districts around the country cannot afford this. Brooke yeah. and I have sort of created our own version of a really effective phonics curriculum that we're using with our dreamers and making gains and we're starting to teach it. So we're going to Detroit in July um, to teach, um, you know, some of the teachers there how to teach their children how to full stop word attack strategies, reading comprehension strategies, writing skills, 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 skills. So we'll be doing that a lot of the summer. Um, raising money and awareness for our dreamers, continuing to talk um, to wonderful people like yourself, Jeff Martin. You know, the people at Fox News have been very good to us, Tony. Again, we're not politicizing this, but they are the only ones really picking up on this message until finally last Sunday. I don't know if you saw it. Jeff sent me the article, but I had seen it. The New York Times So we've been screaming for three years, the science of reading, phonics, only way forward. Finally, the Times last Sunday, three years later, came out with their big article, we must follow the science of reading to teach children how to read. Uh, And it's like, all right, thanks guys for getting on the best. So we're gonna continue to sort of spread this message and um, getting into as many small, forgotten communities like Bowman, South Carolina, a little town of 800 people in the back country. 23% of children are reading on grade level. Trying to help those students, children, raising money, raising awareness for them. So we won't stop. We're not stopping. We've just begun, Tony. We've only just begun, as the carpenter said. No, we've only just begun. Uh, so you're an example of somebody whose cup is overflowing. Um, you and Brooke and Enriched NYC and Onwards are using your intellect, your influence, your connectivity to raise funds, to build training resources, to really touch communities all across the country, which is fantastic. You can find Mary at enrichednyc.com and I'm sure other places. Is there any other ways that people can follow you, Mary? Yeah, we're on. We're on the gram. We're on Instagram at (laughs) enrichednyc. We're on Facebook at enrichednyc. You can email me if you have any specific questions about your own child. Um, 
love answering any of these questions. I could tell you from personal and professional experience, mary at enrichednyc.com. Shoot me an email. Happy to answer your questions because sometimes parents just don't know. Tony, they have no clue if their child's not reading on grade level. What's your favorite children's book? Oh my gosh, Tony, there's so many. I mean, I love Mm. Rainbow Fish about that fish with the gorgeous... Uh, You know, he had these beautiful fins and shiny and sparkly and all of the other fish in the sea and the octopus. And they were asking him for one because they were so gorgeous. And he was like, "Ooh, no, like I why would I give you my gorgeous, fabulous fins? And he started to realize that the other fish were kind of like, hmm, he's beautiful, but he's not really that nice. Mm. We're not really going to hang out with him or play with him. And what happened? One day he gave one fin away and the feeling he got from giving far surpassed anything he ever felt mm. in the in the mirror. <laughs> There's a little parable there. A little oh, parable. Messages everywhere, Tony. There you go. Everybody, that is Mary Canwell. She is with Enriched NYC, enrichednyc.com. Mary, thank you so much for your time. You've been a delight, as I knew you would be. This is Teach a Kid to Read, and we don't believe that there are illiterate children. We just believe there are children who haven't had the chance to learn to read yet. So let's get out there and make a difference like Mary is. Thank you, Tony. Teach a child to read. Give a child a chance. It's as simple as that.